Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. All right, turn with me to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation this morning. We are going to continue our series in this book. And I know a lot of folks are on vacation. Some folks on vacation asked me if I would take a week off of preaching on Revelation because they did not want to miss anything. And so um, I told them I would not. So they'll have to just go back and read. This is already going to take us long enough and uh, not to take off a week. But we are uh, we're studying through the book of Revelation. And uh, the book of Revelation, it is hard to understand. It's a difficult book to understand. And the book of Revelation is for the believer. We've seen this over the last several weeks. We've seen where Jesus is revealing himself to the believer. And so this is for us. Again, I've said this over the last couple of weeks as well. Some would say this, it's too difficult to understand. Why do we need to know what the book of Revelation has to say? Because the Bible tells us in verse number three, blessed Blessed is the one that reads it, understands it, and does what it says. And so there's a special blessing that comes for those that study and read the book of Revelation. There's a lot in the Bible, and we are not to just skip over the difficult parts um, in the Word of God. There's a lot of things that are difficult to understand in the Word of God. But that's why we come to the house of God to learn, to study. And uh, I want to encourage you as we're going through this book not to miss a week. And if you do, uh, to go back and listen to that message so that you can understand what the book of Revelation has to say. On Wednesdays, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, a lot of uh, folks are enjoying that. We're diving into that book. Paul is writing to a, a first century church, and he's dealing Dealing with the same problems uh, in 1 Corinthians as we're dealing with in uh, our generation today as well. So there's a lot of help that we find in the Word of God. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, the Bible says this, Write the things which thou hast seen, which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Jesus is telling John, he is commissioning John to write what was, what is, and what will be. If you were to take those three things that Jesus tells John to write, what was, what is, and what will be, that pretty much will help us underline and, and understand what the book of Revelation, how it is divided up. We've studied chapter number one, and that was that is which was. Chapter number one is all about Jesus Christ. We saw for several weeks who Jesus is, what he's going to be like when he returns. We saw him as king. We saw him as judge. We saw him as priest. All the wonderful things that we saw about Jesus. John wrote, wrote what was. Jesus Christ has always been. Chapter number two and chapter number three are going to be what is. Chapter number two and chapter number three, he's writing to the church age. We are living in the church age. And so chapter number one is all about Jesus. It's what, what, what was. Chapter two and three, as we're going to study, is going to be about what is. It's currently. It's currently. You see, God is trying to reveal 
not conceal. God is trying to reveal who he is. He's trying to reveal prophecy. The book of Revelation is to for us to understand what God desires for the believer to know about what was, about what is, and about what is going to come. So John saw what was. That was a vision of Jesus Christ in chapter 1. John saw what is. That's the church age. That's the age that we are living in. As we study chapter 2 and chapter number 3, we're going we're gonna to read of, of, of these seven churches. As we go through these seven churches, they're outlined here in chapter 2 and 3. We're going to read of the church of Ephesus. We're going to read of um, Smyrna. We're going to read of uh, uh, Thyatira. We're going to read of Sardis. We're going to read of Philadelphia. We're going to read of Laodicea. All of these are churches that were literal churches in Asia Minor. These churches were literal churches that existed. They also are churches, they represent the churches today. You would find every church today, you would find underneath of one of these seven churches. And as we study through these churches, we're going to find what God is saying to these churches, what, what is. And then we find in these three divisions of Revelation, what is to come. And that is chapter number four through the end of the book. And so as we're studying through this book, that's how I want us to see it, what what was, what is, and what is to come. Or what is to come, you could say, the prophecy. Prophetic things are to come. But I want us to understand only God knows the future. Satan doesn't know the future. There's no one that knows. I know there's a, a, a lot of people that want to know. All of us want to know what, what is the future going to be like? You can spend a lot of money. You can go and some, have someone tell you their future. The reality is this. Only God knows the future. I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 46. Would you head over to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter number 46. And I want us to see what um, Isaiah writes about this, this fact that only God knows the future. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 46 and Verse number nine, verse number nine and 10. Everyone wants to know, and God is going to reveal what he desires for us to know. We're going to find through the eyes of God what the future is going to be. Look with me in verse number nine, Isaiah 46, nine. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my, my, my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. God knows everything from the beginning until the end. The book of Revelation is God telling the believer what was, what is, and what is going to happen. One of the ways that we know the Bible is inspired by God is because of the prophecy that's fulfilled in the Bible. Everything that the Bible says is true. We see from the Old Testament prophecy, all, all of the prophecy that was, was uh, prophesied about Jesus Christ, the coming of Christ the first time, has come true. 
Isaiah wrote of the coming of Christ. The, all through the Old Testament, we read of the coming of Christ. And then we read of Jesus Christ coming just like it was prophesied. Born of a virgin, where he was born, when he was born, how he was born. All of those things were prophesied and every one of those things came true. One of the reasons that we can see and we believe that the Bible is inspired is because of the prophecy that has been fulfilled. And we're going to be looking at the future through the eyes of God. Now, oftentimes people look at the future and we read even through the book of Revelation and we want to read it through through our eyes. But the book of Revelation is not there for us to read it through our lenses. It's there for God to reveal what the future has through his lenses and for us to understand what God has for us. It's a dangerous thing for us to take modern events and try to fit them into Revelation. I remember my dad, when I was a young boy, he'd, he'd, he'd preach and he believed he would preach the same thing that Jesus Christ was coming. He loved prophecy and he preached a lot on it. And I remember, I remember this was probably back in the 80s or so. I remember when the, when the Pope came to visit America and uh, my dad, I remember he got all excited. He got so excited. He says, this is it. This is the end time. And I remember him saying this, this is it. The Pope's going to come to America. He's going to be assassinated and he's going to be the antichrist. And, and I mean, he was like teaching, like this was going to happen. The problem is the Pope came and the Pope went and we're still here today. And a lot of times people can look at news events and saying, that's it, and, and, and try to fit that into the Bible. We don't need to fit anything into the Bible. The Bible speaks for itself. We need to see what the Bible has to say from God's eyes. And that's what I hope as we study through this book, I want us to see it, what God has to say, how God says it, and then what we get from what God has to say. So today I want to give us an overview of the, of the um, prophecy. So as we go from which was, we're going to be studying what is, that's the church age. And then I want us to see what is to come. And today I want to just give us an overview of what the book of Revelation is about. I thought this, as, as we get into now a lot of the, um, uh, the prophecy that's going to happen, I thought it'd be good for us to start with just an outline of, of the events that are going to take place from the word of God. And then as we then are studying, we'll dive into these events and really look at what the Bible has to say about each one of these events. But I want to give you, in the time that we have this morning, I want to give you several things here, these events that are going to take place, the prophecy that's going to take place in the book of uh, Revelation. Go to Revelation chapter number four with me, if you would please. Revelation chapter number four. And I want you to, again, I want you to break this down in your, in your notes and your thinking as we're studying through Revelation. Revelation chapter one is about Jesus Christ. It's about which was. He always has been. We see Jesus Christ coming again. We see him as Lord. We see him as king. We see him as judge. It's about what was. It's about Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter two and three, we're not going to skip chapter two and three. We're going to come back to it, but that's the church age. That's what we're living in today. It's a specific message that Jesus has for the church. Then we get into Revelation chapter four. 
Revelation chapter number four through the end is the prophecy that's coming. And let's look and see what, um, what John saw. After this, I looked in chapter four, verse number one. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee the things which must be hereafter. I want you to write this down. Number one is this. The first thing that as we see chapter number four on through the end, the first event that's going to take place, again, we're not going to look at each one of these today specifically in in depth, but we're going to just kind of do an overview of all of this today is going to be the rapture of the church. Jesus Christ is going to rapture his church. If you've been in church for some period of time, you've heard of that before. First Corinthians chapter number four tells us of, of the trumpet's gonna sound and the church is going to be raptured out. The dead in Christ are gonna rise first and then those alive and remain are gonna be caught up in the clouds. But as we're looking at, as we're looking at the book of Revelation, we see Christ, we see the church age, those two chapters, which is about a 2000 year period uh, from the time the, that Christ ascended into heaven till today is about a 2000 year period. That's the church age. And then chapter number four is going to speak of what happens after the church is raptured out. John is, is talking to the church. And from this point forward in chapter number four, one of the things that you will not find mentioned any longer is the church. The reason why you won't find the church mentioned in chapter number four on as prophecy is being uh, spoken of, as John is telling us what the future is going to hold, is because the church is not here. The church is raptured. The church is, is now in heaven. So chapter number four, John is listening. And guess what he hears? He hears a trumpet. That trumpet sounds and he is told to come up. That's exactly what the rapture is going to happen. The trump of, of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to come up and, the, and the, those that are alive and remain are going to be raptured or taken up to heaven. It's the rapture of the church. The church is going to be raptured. And so from chapter number four through the, through toward the end of Revelation, the church will not be a part of this. So as we're studying through the events from chapter four on, understand that the church will not be here. There's a seven-year period called the tribulation. And as the tribulation, as the tribulation begins, the church is in heaven. Now, there are some things that are going to be happening, and we'll study those as well. What's happening in heaven during that seven-year period, and we'll go through that in just a few moments. But the, judge, uh, the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ is going to take place. That's where we are. And then the, the marriage of the Lamb is going to take place during that time period. But, but on earth, the great tribulation is going to take place. I want you to just put in your notes, we won't turn there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. That is where Paul is teaching the church at Thessalonica about the rapture. Why, why, why is he talking with them? Because as Paul was, is, was instructing the churches, as he would go through his missionary journeys, he was teaching about the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ was a doctrine that was always taught even back in the first century church. 
The first century church anticipated the coming of Christ. I'm afraid what has happened over the last 2,000 years, because Christ has not returned yet, the church is not thinking like that Jesus is returning. And a lot of times it's causing us to be lazy. It's causing us to be apathetic. It's causing us to get our attention off of what's important. The first century church, they recognized and they were taught Jesus Christ is coming again. We say those words quite a bit, but I think that we need to make sure that our life is lived like Jesus Christ is coming for us at any moment. There's work to do. Christ is coming. He's coming for his bride. The bride, the bridegroom is coming for his bride and the bride is ready to, 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 to that, for that marriage. And we ought to anticipate the coming of the Lord. But as, as the judgment seat of Christ is taking place, as the marriage of the lamb is taking place on earth, a great tribulation is going to take place. The rapture can come at any time. There, there are some that believe this, that a certain moon has to come up or certain events have to take place. The reality is this. There's nothing that has to happen according to God's word that needs to happen, that not, has not yet happened, that needs to happen for Jesus Christ to come for his bride. All prophecy has been fulfilled. Jesus Christ can come at any moment. And so I say that because I want to caution you. Be careful, those that say these things have to happen. And when you see these things happening, then Jesus Christ, he's going to come. There's events that people say on September such and such, this is going to happen. Anticipate the coming of the Lord. Listen to me. If you're waiting till after this event, that the coming of the Lord, you might, you might not be found waiting for the event because Jesus Christ could come this afternoon. He could come before we're done this message. Jesus Christ is coming again, and Jesus Christ can come at any moment. There's no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled that has not yet been fulfilled for the return of Jesus Christ. Number two, would you write this down? Again, I want to just give you an overview this morning. And I think that this overview will be helpful to us as we're understanding what the events are that are going to take place in the book of Revelation. The second thing that's going to come, look with me in Revelation chapter 13, if you would, please. Revelation chapter 13, in verse number one. John is standing and he's writing. As he's looking out, these are prophetic events. These are what is going to happen. I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, upon his head the names of blasphemy. Now, you say, what is that? That is difficult to understand. We're going to break that down. Let me just help us understand. What he's talking about is the rise of the beast. The rise of the beast. This is the, the man of sin or the, the antichrist. In chapter number 13, we're going to find the rise of the beast or the, the antichrist is going to come. There's coming a day that there will be a man that will be filled with Satan himself that is going to rule this world for that seven-year period. He's going to come and he's going to, to uh, use peace as a reason to, to, to come and, and build his kingdom. We'll get into the, 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 uh, all of the, 
logistics of this and everything that's going to happen, but this antichrist is one that has prophesied that he's going to come and he's going to rule the world. He is going to, to uh, uh, he's described here, and again, let's look at it. And I stood and upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. That sea there is the sea of nations. It's not a literal water. It's not that this antichrist is going to be half man, half mammal and come walking out of the water. As John is writing the sea, what he's talking about is the nations, the nations. He looks out over the nations and someone that's coming up through the nations of the world. There's going to come a man. This is the man of sin. This is the antichrist. The Bible says this, he's going to have seven heads and 10 horns. Seven, that is the what? The perfect number. 10, remember 10 is the complete number. Heads speak of wisdom and the horns speak of power. And so this man that's coming up, he's going to have great wisdom. He's going to have great power. He's going to have all the nations of the earth. The sea, as he's coming out, all the nations are going to follow this man. They're going to believe that this man is God. He's going to proclaim that he is God. He's going to proclaim peace. Satan is actually going to fill this man, but this man is going to fool the nations, and they're going to believe that this man is all wisdom and all power. Now, we understand this. Only God is all wisdom and all power. But that word anti, anti-Christ, he's going to pretend to be God. He's going to pretend to be the uh, Christ. Crowns, the Bible here says that there's going to be 10 crowns upon his head in the name of blasphemy. Those crowns speak of dominion. So as John is seeing this, you say, boy, he's describing this in such a difficult way to understand. He's saying this, I see through the nations of the world, a man coming up. He's got seven, seven uh, 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 heads and 10 horns. He's say, simply saying this, that man is that perfect number of seven. He has the head, describes wisdom. 10 is the complete number. Those 10 horns speak of power. This man coming up just simply is coming through the nations with great wisdom and great power. And he's going to have the answer to the world's problems. The world right now is in total chaos. And the world right now is looking for someone to solve their problems. Just look at what's happening around the world. We're looking for someone to solve the answer for peace. And every leader is trying to, trying to give peace. They're trying to solve the, the problems of climate change in our world. And, and men are, and, and governments are trying to, to solve that problem. But there's coming a day where this antichrist is going to come and all of the answers, the supposed answers, he's going to have. He's going to give every man a number. And the Bible tells us of this man that no man is going to be able to buy or sell without this mark that this Antichrist is going to give. This Antichrist is going to call for peace with Israel. All the fighting, all the turmoil that's taken place in the Middle East, this man with all this wisdom and all this power and all this dominion is going to come in and he is going to say, let's bring peace. And he's going to sign peace treaties with all the nations. And all the nations are going to look to this man and they're going to say, this must be God. The 
Bible tells us this, that Israel is going to build a, a temple. This man right now, right now, and, and I don't know how this is going to be, but obviously it's going to be, however this happens, it is going to be a, a man that's going to have the ability for great peace and great wisdom and great power. Because right now, if you were to visit Israel, I've been there on a couple different trips, taking people within our church, and the Temple Mount is the place where the Dome of the Mosque sits. It's the place where the temple used to sit. And there's great division over that small piece of property. Matter of fact, a war would break out if something were to happen to that small piece of property. But this man is going to be able to come in and the temple is going to be built. He's going to allow Israel to, to worship, but this man is going to set himself up in the temple and proclaim himself to be God. And halfway through this tribulation that's going to take place, this man is going to turn on Israel. The false peace that he gives to Israel, he will turn on Israel. And all the nations of the world are going to go against Israel. But the second event that's going to happen in Bible prophecy is going to be the rise of the beast. And we'll study that through in Revelation chapter 13. Let's read here in verse number two. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet as a feet of the bear, his mouth as a mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power. Who's the dragon? That dragon is Satan. So we read of this. Satan gave him power and his seat and great authority. All authority that's going to come to this Antichrist is going to be given to him by Satan himself. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. We're going to take the time and we're going to study this uh, specific prophecy coming up. But again, today, I just want us to give an overview. These are the events that are going to happen as we study chapter number four through. We're going to study. We're going to study number one, the, the, uh, the uh, rapture of the church. Number two, the rise of the beast. The next event that's going to happen after the rise of the beast is what's called the great tribulation. Go with me to Revelation chapter six, if you would, please. Revelation chapter 6. Again, this is after Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The church is raptured out. Look with me in verse number 12, if you would please. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her ultimately figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of this wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? We're, we're learning here in Revelation chapter 6, this is going to be the great tribulation that's going to take place. 
The Antichrist is going to deceive all of the nations, and God is going to pour out his wrath upon the world. This is going to be a dreadful time. It's a seven-year period, and the book of Daniel will also speak of the tribulation, and as we study the, uh, the, the tribulation, we'll take a week and study that tribulation, and uh, we'll get more in-depth into that, but this is going to be an awful time here upon this earth. God is going to judge mankind for their sin. God is going to pour his wrath out upon this world. But as God pours his wrath out upon this world, the believer, his children are raptured into heaven. We're no longer here upon this earth as God is pouring his wrath out upon this earth. After that seven-year period of great tribulation, number four, I want you to write this down, is going to be the battle of Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon. I've had people ask me this question. So tell me about the battle of Armageddon, the battle of Gog and Magog. What, when does that battle of Armageddon take place? The battle of Armageddon is the fourth event that we're going to study in Bible prophecy. And so how it happens, the church is raptured out. The judgment seat of Christ takes place. The marriage supper of the land takes place. While that's happening here on this earth, the Antichrist will begin to, to take power and authority, will bring peace, but then will turn, and, and God is going to pour his wrath out upon mankind. For seven years is the great tribulation. After that event takes place, there's a, a battle called Armageddon. At this battle... At this battle is going to be the defeat of the beast and all the armies of the world. Go to Revelation chapter 16, if you would, please. Revelation chapter 16. Now, I want you to go with me to verse number 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come up out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Right there in 13, we learn this, that dragon is Satan. The beast is the Antichrist. That false prop, uh, prophet is the propaganda minister for the, for the Antichrist. He's the one that's going to be working on behalf of the Antichrist to sell the Antichrist's plan for the world. And for they are the spirits of the devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. One of the things I want you to understand what's going to take place is demonic warfare. You see, the first century church understood this. The first century church believed this. We don't speak of it probably as often as we should. But the Bible says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. We, we don't like to talk about the spiritual warfare because it sounds really crazy. But the Bible speaks of, of a different world, speaks of demons and fallen angels and wickedness and evil. And, and, and Satan is going to use all of his power to influence this world. He's going to use all of his power and all of his demonic activity to influence the kings that are going to follow this Antichrist into this place. I've, I've stood at 
Mount Megiddo and, and uh, we've looked over one of the last trips we just took earlier this year and we stood at Mount Megiddo and looked out over the, the valleys of Armageddon. Unbelievable. I've thought often for all the nations of the world to come to this place, how vast this valley would be until you stand there and you literally see from as far as you can see, farther than you could see, this valley of Armageddon. And all of the nations of the earth are going to gather here at this valley to do war with God. Now go with me to Revelation chapter 19, just a few pages over. In verse number 11, John is writing this. He says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon that was called faithful and true. That's Jesus Christ. You notice here, faithful and true, that's capitalized faithful and capitalized true. That's a, a specific person. It's not just someone that's faithful and somebody that's true. No, this is a specific person. And the one that's called faithful and true is Jesus Christ. You see, as I began this series, remember I said, we're going to study all of these things. We're going to study prophecy. But what we're going to look at every time we look is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come at this, at this uh, uh, day of Armageddon, this, this valley of Armageddon, this war of Armageddon. The one is going to come and his name is faithful and true. And in righteousness, he the judge and make war. His eyes were his eyes of flame of fire. Remember, we've already seen Jesus. That means this, he can see right through you. Nothing, nothing gets by him. And his heads were many crowns. Remember, crowns speak of authority. Here, Jesus is coming with authority. Here, here the, th the authority on, on uh, the uh, Antichrist head, it had a number. But when he speaks of Jesus, there is no number. Why? Because his authority is great. There's no way to challenge it. There's no way to mark it. It just simply says upon his head is a head of crown, many crowns. We're meaning this. This man that comes that's faithful and true is coming with all authority. There's none with greater authority than this one, Jesus Christ. He is and had a name written that no man knew, but he, he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember back in John, John, as he's writing this, remember John is also one that wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now as John is looking into the future, as prophecy is being shown to John, and John says, I see this one faithful and true that's coming, and he's got all majesty and all power and all authority. He's coming back on that white horse and as he's coming back there's something that is in his name and others don't know what it means but John is writing I know what this means I know what this means this means that this is Jesus Christ this is the one that always has been this is the one that always will be this is the one that John wrote about in the beginning was the word when he writes of Jesus Christ he is saying I know this one this one is the word of God, the armies which were in heaven followed him. Now, who's that? That's you and me. That's the believer. You see, how do you know the church is raptured? 
Because we're coming back. We are there. We can't come back with him if we're not with him to start with. Oh, listen to me. This is after that seven-year period where Jesus Christ raptures the church. The Antichrist sets up reign. We don't read of the church any longer past chapters two and three until we come to this place. And we come to this place, all the armies of heaven on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Isn't that going to be a wonderful day when you and I come with Jesus Christ and we come in all of his authority, in all of his power, we're white and we're clean clean because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Remember, we've already talked about this. He loved us. He washed us as white as snow. And when we come back, we come back just like Jesus. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. We read already this, the first of the chapter of Revelation. He has that sharp sword in his mouth that what it should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the wine presses of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. And he that hath his vestures and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The church goes up. The tribulation takes place. The vials of God's wrath are poured out upon this earth. Judgment is upon this earth. The Antichrist comes against Israel. Jesus comes with great power and great authority. Armageddon, Jesus comes and he defeats the Antichrist. Now, as I was studying through this, I thought of another time where Jesus defeated the armies with just his voice. And I thought, uh, let, me, let me use this illustration to help us understand. When Jesus Christ comes, he doesn't need, he doesn't need our uh, weapons of war. When we come back with, with, with Christ, we're not coming back with tanks and helicopters and firepower. John says this, his word. I can't help but think, as John is writing this prophecy, he has to be thinking about the first coming of Christ. There's so much that John is, is understanding. It's making sense. Jesus, remember Jesus is praying in the garden. I've stood at the garden of Gethsemane and what, a, what an incredible place. What, what a moving place. I, I've sat there and prayed and just to, to think, I don't know the exact location, but to be in this place of Gethsemane where Jesus in agony prayed. John was there. John, John was one of the ones that was supposed to pray with Jesus. Jesus said, you stay here and pray, and I'm going to go a, a little further. And Jesus comes back, and he says to him, he couldn't have prayed an hour. He fell asleep. So John is remembering as he's writing this, John isn't confused. You mean to tell me he's just going to simply speak? And when John writes his, the word, the sword coming out of his mouth, John believes this? John believes it because he has seen it. Remember, remember when Judas came to betray Jesus? Judas 
was called the son of perdition. The only other one in the Bible called the son of perdition is the Antichrist. The, the only other one that is spoken of that the Satan came in and filled him, Judas and the Antichrist. And as Judas comes into the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he come with? He comes with the army of the world, Rome. And they come into this place and Judas is coming in and Judas filled with Satan comes in to, to bring the armies of Rome, the most powerful army in the world against Jesus. One man, Judas is leading the way. He's leading people against Christ. And they come to Jesus and remember they say, where's Jesus? And Jesus says, I am and immediately when Jesus spoke, those soldiers fell to the ground as dead with just simply his voice. Oh, John, as I read that, I get chills. And John, I'm sure as he's penning this down, he's getting chills. And he's remember, I remember that. I remember when Judas came and Jesus simply said, I am he and all the armies of Rome, the mighty armies of Rome fell to the ground. Jesus's words and only his words, Peter goes to pick up a spear and he cuts off that ear of that soldier and Jesus puts that ear back on. What is Jesus saying? I don't need weapons of mankind. I don't need swords. I don't need weapons of war. My mouth, my words are more powerful than what any man has. And as the armies of Armageddon come together, the armies of the world, all their nuclear power, all their conventional power coming, filling that valley to come against God. When God comes and Jesus Christ is coming with all of his saints and Jesus simply speaks all of the authority and all of the power and all of the might of the, this world will fall dead to the ground. That is our Lord. Number five, would you write this down? Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 20. <clears throat> the next event that's going to happen after Armageddon is the millennial reign of Christ. The millennial reign of Christ. Look with me in Revelation chapter 20, verse number one. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the bottomless pits and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. And he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Look where he says here, a thousand years should be fulfilled. There's going to come a time where Satan is going to be cast into um, Bondage for a thousand year period. And during that thousand year is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. During that millennial reign, the Bible is going to speak of when the lamb lays down with the lion, there's going to be peace for a thousand years. Jesus Christ is going to rule this earth for a thousand years. He's going to rule it with peace. He's going to rule it with love. He's going to rule it with judgment. He's going to rule it and rule it as king and Lord. And Satan is going to be loosed. But in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11, look with me what he says there. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth had 
the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And the death and the hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Verse number 14, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Number six is the, the final judgment. This is the end of the millennial reign. Satan is loosed. And a great battle is going to ensure again. You would think after a thousand years of peace, why would anybody turn on Christ. But Satan is going to be loosed and the nations of the earth once again will turn. But Jesus Christ, this time he will judge and this will be the final judgment. Jesus Christ at this great white throne judgment, all those that are not found written in the book of life will be cast into hell, cast in the lake of fire. Jesus Christ will be sitting on the throne. Look at me in verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the book according to their works. Hear me, Christian. There's coming a day that all religion is going to be judged. All mankind is going to be judged. Every man that says, I'm going to do this my way is going to be judged. All sin is going to be judged. Jesus Christ is going to sit on that throne in that one that is not written in the book. Hear me, hear me. You might be a, mem you might be a member of a church. You might have gone to church your entire life. You might be a good person. You might give money. You might help the poor. You might do all of those things. But if your name is not written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. How is a person's name written in the book of life? The Bible speaks the man must be born again. Oh, it's the message we preach every Sunday. Every single person is a sinner. And every single person needs a savior. Jesus Christ came to this earth for one reason and one reason only. And that is to save mankind from their sin. There is no other way. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no way to heaven. No church can get you to heaven. No baptism can get you to heaven. No good works can get you to heaven. No religion can get you to heaven. Only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he shed his blood. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the message that we give is a message of hope through Jesus Christ. Satan is doing everything he can to confuse mankind. He's causing mankind to think, if you're a good person, you've got a shot. And people say this, well, I think I'm going to go to heaven. When I, when I stand before God, I'm going to tell him what I've done. Oh, listen to me. When you stand before God, if it's only about what you've done, you're in trouble. 
I'm not going to stand before God and tell him what I've done. I'm going to stand before God and tell him what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm guilty. But Jesus Christ has paid my sin debt. The blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to my life and I am free. Jesus Christ has saved me and when he saved me, he wrote my name in the book of life. And when those books of life are opened up and the, uh, the works of mankind, but there is no payment for your sin debt, it's guilty for all of your sin. And the Bible says this, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. Someone might say this, why would a loving God send mankind to a lake of fire for all of eternity? And those that say that are looking at God wrong. I say it this way, why would mankind not accept what God has given you as the way to escape? God is a just God and God is a holy God and God cannot allow sin into his presence. But God made a way. And in his love and in his mercy and his kindness and his long suffering, he said, I will go. And God became man and went to the cross and shed his blood on the cross so that all mankind, their sins could be paid for. The only one that is going to spend eternity in lake of fire is the one that has rejected God's plan. But whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And then the last event is the final event. Number seven, Revelation 21. Look with me in verse number six. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hear me today, when God made you, he made you with an eternal soul. There's something every one of us have in common. And that is this, every one of us has an eternal soul. And our soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. Eternity in heaven for those that have trusted Jesus Christ. Eternity in hell for those that have rejected Jesus Christ. And as I give this overview of what prophecy is going to be like, I can't help but close with this thought. Will you give your heart to Jesus? You see, it's too late when we come to this final event. Some that believe this, I'll just wait until I see all these things happen and then I'll believe it'll be too late. It'll be too late. Today is the day of salvation. 
Today is a day for you if you are not saved to give your life to Jesus Christ. And today is a day for those that are saved to live their life pleasing to Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ could come at any moment. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.